0: Bro was it telling was that funny one. wrong with my hair, Says, so Oh <laughs> he was like like you look eight. awful. <laughs> <laughs> like, post- Postpone it. It's
1: like do this tomorrow.
0: <laughs> I gave her the I gave her the get back. I gave her the I gave her the <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> hold on. Like that. Um, Mave's home sick. There's so much stuff going around like our area. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Jeez. Same here. There's like just random everything floating around. So.
0: But anyway, yeah. she's in the other room watching TV and she was told Aww. not to bother me under any circumstances. <laughs> like, That's this fun. is
1: important.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mom's on a very serious Zoom. Bert was, because I was like, well, if it's an emergency, you can come. And Bert was like, Wait. yeah. He takes he takes the podcast very seriously. He's like, do not, if you have something, come down and see me where he's working in the basement. Like,
1: <laughs> so inter- interrupt my paying job. Mm-hmm. Mm. Drink break. <laughs> fun. <laughs> this is like the most fun I've had in the literary realm in several years. So totally. I am enjoying it, so. Totally. And it's I'm not we're not taking it too seriously. We're not letting it be a thing. Like it's just no. it's just good times. It is so unless yeah. I get sick of you.
0: Um, but I was thinking about the poem today, um, which I'm like really excited to talk about. But um, it, the fact that this particular poem is uh very very uh different than uh mm-hmm. I was trying to I was. I was this is what I when I had Maeve in my bed last night because she was sick and I was wide awake <laughs> like thinking about today. <laughs> but I was trying to like come up like a um, you know, I don't know if there's been enough um conversation about what how to describe like you know, you have like modernism, postmodernism, uh mm. you know, new formalism and all this stuff. Like, how would you even describe what poetry is? today in the internet like i was thinking i'm like is it meta poetry like facebook poetry like social networking poetry you know it's kind of like it's just eh and, it's just, and then you know it's like that's a, yeah. that's, a that's a technical term michael that like, eh
1: <laughs> so it comes from the ancient greek meh
0: and uh and then over time it lost the app <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah um yeah like there's a lot of uh, What would it like i mean if you if you want to be generous i would think there's a lot of like what post confession or meta confessional social justice poetry yeah um if you want to be mean about it it's just a lot of like narcissistic poetry um which i'm sure i've written i don't know if there's been enough time like and there are enough distance between the last age and this age of poetry to be able to accurately describe it. But just, I don't know, it's like a, it's like basically a new generation of poetry and uh, you, you see trends, but I don't know. I don't know, man, I don't, I I don't I know it what's so going
0: complicated, on. Though. It's like, cause you have, you can, I mean, there are so many factors to mm-hmm. to like consider, you know, take social media being the biggest one, that everything can be published instantly everything can be accessed instantly there's ai poem generators <laughs> um then we have like the instagram poets who are like basically combining uh this sort of uh micro uh poetry with po- maybe a cute selfie and all this kind of weird you know thing that yeah. people some people really really love um i think people who are very very highly dependent on social media networking poetry and that's like mm-hmm. where people are writing very similar type poems uh very like highly lyrical maybe confessional definitely first person poems um and they're being circulated among like a, a community um but but that com- it, it relies on that community that social you know facebook for instance obviously uh mm-hmm and the sharing of the poems and and circling around to your social network of like your audience and um Mm -hmm. and that's just way different it's all way different than even when I was like you know in my 20s when it was just like there was like you said it's like self-addressed stamped envelope you wait for the rejection letter most things were in print (laughs) uh it was you know it was just different um And I think people feel like there's an amplified sense of self or audience by being on social media, but I'm not so sure Mm -hmm. that is really true. I think it's an illusion. And I I, I guess what I'm saying is all of this will maybe 30 years from now, maybe longer, I don't know, it'll be like looking back as being like on the, the cusp of something, like something, this is either going to propel us into something different or like it's just going to become like a, a way different kind of art
1: yeah that's uh, really interesting I was thinking about you know they have that phrase page versus stage we have the performance poets And then you have the ones that are mainly writing in journals and things like that and then you have like screen poets I guess would be now you're describing with images with a quote or with a short poem or whatnot. And that's been successful for some Instagram poets and things like that. But it's like uh, the way I view social media now in a lot of ways is that there are just too many people that are doing this like pyramid scheme type of setup where it's like, I'm gonna post my poem multiple times. I'm gonna tag the editors who published my poem. So I get a wider audience I'm gonna thank the person who inspired this poem or looked at the draft of it first time. So you're just tagging all these people, hoping that it'll basically, they'll share it or they'll spread it around. And it just becomes this insular thing where it's like the same you know, seven or eight people in your network are constantly talking about themselves. And it gets extremely exhausting. I, I am not learning anymore online
0: i mean we've gone over this too many times but i I, we can segue if you want to because i wanted to talk about emily fragos's poem yes um, and how i think it is so completely different and it made me think about which poems will stand the test of time um Mm -hmm. and you know oddly enough like the instant the grand poets, Rupi Kapoor, what, what uh, did I pronounce that right? I don't, Ru-
1: Ru- I think it's Rupi, Rupi Kaur, oh. A-A-U-R.
0: Oh, Kaur, what, Kaur, what, All right, anyways, I, I don't, but anyways, good, just call small, her yeah. Rupi, we're real
1: tight, Rupi. we're on a first My name girl, Rupi.
0: She, um she, I think she may stand the test of time, Um, just in the sense of of just like how many people, how wildly she's been received. You can find her in every bookstore, and that kind of thing. Uh, It's it's fascinating. It's not my cup of tea of poetry, but I find that fascinating. But on the other end of things, I do think that Emily Fragos, (laughs) even though I just learned of her, I stumbled upon her accidentally. And I think partially is because she's not on social media, she's not on Facebook, she's not on Twitter, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I think mean, she lives in New York City, but it seems like she doesn't get caught up in any of that, but she's mm-hmm. published four books, she won a Guggenheim, she is wildly successful, and I think her work is going to stand the test of time, so I am very excited to talk about her poem today.
1: All right, let's get into it. I'm going to do our little introduction here. Uh Welcome, everybody. It's a table for deuce where we shoot the shit about all things lit. With me, as always, is co-host Kate Hansen Foster, who is the author of *Midrift* and Crow Funeral. And when she is not working on poetry, she is writing her favorite fan fiction to her band Nickelback. Welcome Kate Hansen Foster. (laughs)
0: Okay, and I am here with Michael Schmelzer, who's the author of Empire of Surrender, recent winner of the Wandering Angus Book Award. Big deal. Also Blood Song, which is published from to Sylvia's press. Um, when he is not writing poetry, he is enjoying his brand new job as Twitter's chief free speech. <laughs> absolute <laughs> oh, no <laughs> anyways the podcast is up and running for anybody who wants to go back and start at the beginning of our journey that's right stream all of it like in bed while they are trying to sleep just, listen just to our
1: binge podcast. that's right it's like asmr just yeah. soothe yourself to sleep the sweet falsets we...
0: of our giggling and tackling <laughs> all right we should get into this poem i'm excited let's go Uh, i am dying i'm dying to know what you think because like i said i this was a serendipitous discovery poem and um i have some thoughts about it i'm sure you do too Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and so uh should i just go into it
1: uh let us let us begin the toast or roast of nemesis by emily fragus (laughs)
0: Nemesis, the old men with too much gamble in them, whose eyes are at peace only when all is lost. See the queen's quiet face on the deck of cards, the red cuff of her cloak, the raw tip of her tongue, the blood on her dress. What fled from them in their frenzies comes tiptoeing back, quiring to the marble console hall where Nemesis in velvet opera cape is is beginning her recitative. It is your turn to go slowly now with hands clasped behind your back, drowsy from the earth's sweet abundance and her great deprivations, the rows of crooked trees, the streets bright monotony and gather up the starving. All right. So that is Nemesis, Emily Fragos, and I bought the book when I read the poem, and I've been reading the book, and I have a lot of thoughts on that too, but obviously we'll just talk about this poem today. I already said a little bit uh, earlier, but I, I do, mm-hmm. I, I, I am so uh, uh, fascinated by this particular poem uh, it's unusual to me it feels different than other things i've been reading lately um i know it's not a new poem but it's um it feels fresh in in the sense that just I, in, in reading uh her work um flip like flipping through some of her work i haven't had a chance to read the whole book but um i don't know it, it's it's very much um influenced by like the like classical biblical uh Greek mythology things like that um you know those themes kind of come into the work in a very sly interesting uh almost like almost like as if the the speaker is kind of like a sage I don't know just uh, there's something very wise in in the poem I guess when I was speaking like generally um I, I like this idea of, well, first of all, there's, there's no first person, um, there's no I here. This is like, like I said, uh-huh. it feels like yep. a very wise, uh, voice coming down and depicting this particular scene of, uh, you know, these gamblers, you know, these men playing, poker mm-hmm. um, and then, uh, you know, bringing in, uh, nemesis is like you know who in greek mythology you know i understand nemesis as being the um you know the maker of uh, like kind of restoring balance i guess in the universe that she's sort of the embodiment of jealousy and rage that was like with the romans thing uh thunk thunk. uh in ancient (laughs) mythology she was the goddess of revenge Mm -hmm. um like Homer considered her to be like divine justice, uh, that sort of thing. And so uh, it's an interesting choice, I think, to bring in a Greek goddess to what feels like a very, uh, you know, present day, real world experience of just uh, gambling, Mm -hmm. kind of this cloud of karma that's gonna circle back um, for being, you know, kind of gluttonous as a gambler.
1: So I liked what you said about uh, kind of that sagely feel to this. I noticed that there was no I as well, because that is uh, very different than what you kind of read nowadays, it feels like. and, And I do that a lot, too. It feels like there's so much I and so much focus on personal experience at times. And I know you can't equate author with, you know, narrator of a poem, per se. But it does feel like a lot of things are mostly confessional these days. But this is such a different kind of disembodied voice in a way, but it feels like um, like that kind of Greek chorus where you have these players on the stage that witness everything and are basically calling it out to the audience in a way they're letting everyone know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so it has that feel, it has that like wisdom like that you said. A lot of the word choices here, the diction is just stuff that I don't, I mean, like velvet opera cape, I love I love the first line, the opening line, the old men with too much gamble in them. That use of gamble is such an interesting way to use that. Queen's quiet face on the deck of cards, like these rhythms in the phrasing, the red cuff of her cloak, the raw tip of her tongue, these kind of beautiful music within the poem itself. So like it was one of those where upon first reading, I wasn't sure because it, kind of took me time to acclimate like oh yeah this is this is something you can do in poetry it feels like it's been so long that I was like okay it's readjusting to this kind of mode of poetry but after sitting with it and things I was like okay you kind of get a feel for what the author is doing kind of sets the stage you have this scene you have these characters and it does feel very much like a play or an opera I and mean, it's putting this kind of epic lens to what can be very mundane. I've, I've recently, you know, this summer I went to Vegas to celebrate my 20th anniversary with Lydia. So we saw a lot of saw a lot of the gamblers. Yeah, but uh, it's and it's kind of funny. It's I don't picture a Vegas per se with this. Like there's this very small bowling alley slash casino right by where we live it's <laughs> the saddest dankest like miserable looking thing and I'm like oh that feels more like this mm-hmm. I feel like this is more one of those places where I'm people sorry. are just just kind of just getting beat down by life and the gambling <laughs> at the same I'm, time oh,
0: so. I'm so sorry my kid's school's calling hold on one second hold on. okay oh, I'm really sorry hello <laughs> Coralie doesn't feel good um no she says she can make it to the end of the day nurse natalie is going to give her some Motrin. Okay. she's achy headachy mm-hmm. um so I just gave it to her. yeah okay honey well hang in there and um if you want to put nurse natalie back on the phone real quick i'll um i'll talk to her you too bye-bye sorry about that <laughs>
1: that's okay all uh, right life, life of parenting Woo!
0: okay wow <laughs> i feel like it's always something over on this on my side things are going really well today Arma, <laughs> would you, <shut> <laughs> you know i had i i got a little stuck on the um image of the queen the queen of hearts um definitely that uh, you know, there a lot of a lot of the the gambling imagery um, was hard for me. Just for uh, the the Queen of Hearts, you know, if you open up like a standard Bicycle deck mm-hmm. of cards, um, the Queen of Hearts looks nothing like the way it is described in this poem. You know, there's mm-hmm. no at least in at least in my standard deck of cards, there's no blood on. <laughs> severed tongue there's no blood on the thing um so it made me wonder um you know how much of it was is literal and what's maybe just imagined um the other thing i thought was interesting you know these the men these old men, they they have too much gamble in them and they only feel at peace when all is lost and that is such a interesting line because you can read it two ways you know all is lost as in you know, they, they're only at peace when, you know, they're maybe all is lost by their opponent. Um, or maybe, you know, like there's something freeing about losing in general. I, I, I That was the line that I was kind of like, this is interesting. But then I kind of went to the Queen of Hearts mm-hmm. and that imagery of the blood on, on the sleeve and all that stuff and wondering if maybe it's more of a... Uh, like when reality
1: hits no no i think uh basically this whole poem feels and i think i think i already used the phrase like this epic lens that everything is seen through so i think putting these old men in this kind of setting that is much more aligned with like an ancient greek play than a gambling hall so you see these images that are much more heightened like i said i don't think it's Even though it is talking about, you know, the on the deck of cards, I do think there's that certain sense of heightened emotion and imagery that comes into play, and it just makes it that much more of a journey or a tragedy or whatever it may be. That you get the sense that these are real forces that are driving these decisions or driving this loss or gain or whatnot. So in the way that you know, gambling addicts and whatnot can talk about lady luck or all these things. You have these personifications of these things that are happening around you. So I think it's more uh, kind of aligned with that notion that, yes, it's a deck of cards, but it's simultaneously both things, that there's this kind of malevolent force, if you will, at times that can work with you or against you. So I think there's that.
0: To go back to the concept of Greek mythology, nemesis, and this... I. this idea of like balance must be restored and i love the idea that uh, you know nemesis wasn't depicted as some sort of sky god in this poem nemesis mm-hmm. kind of feels real and human as a just a character in in an opera and an opera you know is very like you know a very comprehensive art form you know with lights costume and theater and singing and uh you know throws the drama of life like in your face people who are Mm -hmm. you know huge opera fans would say you know that they get sort of transported to another place by you know when an opera like by an opera performance especially so if you're you have this image of you know the opera singer nemesis Mm -hmm. uh you know doing her recitative or whatever to kind of restore that balance of like you did your you know you did your poker game now it's time to get back. <laughs> it's just so I don't it's very very fascinating to me um in a in such a small um poem how much is being said about this you know what it's like to be human and how it's a give and take and uh, and kind of how karma will circle back around in one way or another. It's, it's, it's ominous, this kind of idea of, of um, keeping people humble, retribution, you know, judgment, mm-hmm. like it all kind of comes down on you in one way or the other, whether it's, you know, in the form of a god in the sky, or in the form of like an opera f- performance. And in this case, mm-hmm. which I think just humanizes it a little bit more brings it like a little bit more uh, back down to earth.
1: I yeah, know. I love the word that you use, theatrical. It feels very theatrical. This whole poem is kind of staged in a way that is really interesting. And we talked about editing before, and, and this is one of those poems where, as an editor, I would look at it not as something I necessarily liked or disliked, per se, even though I do like so many things about it. It would be more like, what is its function? And does it accomplish that function? And it definitely does that for me it seems like it opens up a different kind of world Mm -hmm. in a way it sets the stage it sets these characters it has interesting dynamics like what fled from them in their frenzies comes tiptoeing back like I love that image of this this rushing out and then slowly coming back so you have these conflicts and tensions throughout this poem that I think are really fascinating and I just think the poet has definitely created a piece that has made its own world so successfully.
0: I'm doing I'm doing my deep dive, <laughs> rabbit hole into her style because um you know th- this poem in itself is just like there's so many larger uh, or it's a you know it could be a larger metaphor you can insert it in so mm-hmm. many different situations whether it's you know men gambling or um something else that's self indulgent you know and that sort of uh realization uh whether consciously or inevitably that it will circle back that you you know there that there has to be that sort of yang and yang in in the greater universe i don't know like there's just a lot that you can really take from this, This, you know, once you've had your, your frenzies, you know, once you've had your jollies, wow. <laughs> that. <laughs> UPS delivery. Okay. Wow. then I'm going to need a studio that's not in front of my house in the middle of everything that's going on um yeah I don't know there I just think it's like a a strange human epiphany happening here she's so fascinating the way she writes is so good um you know I'm excited to read more um and yeah I don't know I I just I like the style it kind of it's it's challenging to read and it's also um, makes me feel like I want to challenge myself uh, to write like that, uh, take myself, she writes very, a lot of um, like second, um, second person poems, like there's a lot of you, but it's not, mm-hmm. it's not like the you we were talking about, in, um Paige Lewis's poem, you know, where we felt mm-hmm. like there was a you that was, yeah. you know, like that they were talking to a you, like a very specific, mm-hmm you that the the reader is unaware of um maybe a lover whatever this you know second person uh poem is not maybe not specifically in this one but um when she writes in these second person poems it feels like um this is gonna this is gonna like dumb it down by saying like choose your own adventure you know (laughs) like you are in a room and you are about to open the door and you don't know what's going to happen next and that you know but but it feels that way where it's like I feel like I'm going on an adventure reading these poems um that in just these little by using all these different uh you know I don't know Keatsian influences of like mythology and biblical references Mm -hmm. and all these kind of things that she employs in her work I don't know
1: I will I will say something that's uh, kind of interesting. I think if I would have read this poem, uh, back when it came out, uh, that says it's from October two thousand seven. I probably wouldn't have liked it, because there wasn't that influx of like I poems as much back then. I don't think. I think as we've kind of progressed in the social media age, there's been a lot more. And that's just that's just a guess. It's just kind of my anecdotal evidence of what I've seen kind of being published and. Uh, pushed forward but uh, having read it now as kind of a kind of a response or that kind of like palette cleanser to all the eye poems I I like it more than I think I would have back then I think the poem itself can be um, what's the word I not in I don't want to say like inclusive or exclusive but I do think there is a certain kind of audience that this poem would do better with than kind of a current audience, let's say. There's a, definitely something that feels more traditional or old fashioned about the way the poem is put together and kind of the content itself. I mean, uh, when you're talking like kind of classical Greek mythologies or biblical references or opera and theater.
0: I I 100% agree with you. Um, Especially if we go dating back to two thousand and seven, I don't, I don't think that this mm-hmm. would have much of an impact on me, uh, either. Uh, it, but <laughs> I agree, it's almost like sniffing the coffee beans that cleansing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like clearing, yes. clearing, it out. It just kind of goes back to what is going to stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. I, I really do feel like that. You know, and and I have so much admiration for what i've read so far and also emily fragos's ability to stay off social media she you know she, i know she from what i read she's she teaches i think um mm-hmm. and it, anyway she seems to she's off the grid mostly um, yeah. just kind of putting her head down doing the work and writing these poems that are uh you know winning awards and uh big prestigious awards and i i don't know mm-hmm. i i not that that matters, but. It, there's there's like a a wise maturity in these poems um and you could tell that they're very or at least in this one because this is the one we're talking about um very carefully crafted I love the piece of it I love I love the pauses the ellipses I love like the calm uh very just Laying it out there so simply in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine nine lines, right? It's Mm -hmm. not a long poem, um, and it's full of so much human wisdom, of the general experience of of what it's like to, you know, kind of deal with our own impulses.
1: And as I was just looking at it, and actually really noticed, but it's not even. Like there's not even a period, it's like basically one long sentence. If you count the ellipses as just a connective tissue there between dress and what fled from them, it's like not even it's not even really broken up that much. It's really interesting.
0: I'll be honest. It's, I was wondering if I should sing the, <laughs> <at> the end, <laughs> whatever, like an opera voice. Made me wonder, like, if she reads it, if she actually is like, mm, no, it's your turn. <laughs>
1: I hope she dresses up in just this regal outfit when she writes just a scepter in one hand and just typing in the other. All right I think it's uh I think it's a good time to uh cast our votes.
0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right. I wrote this poem. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I am just gonna go ahead and toast this poem i am so delighted that i found it that i bought the book and i'm i'm still reading it and i advise uh anyone else who hasn't uh gotten into emily fragos's poems to to go into them they definitely uh have all those kind of crazy uh medieval biblical um ancient Greek mythology influences which uh, can be a little heavy but I think the way it's brought into present day experiences is done so well and this poem is a good example of that that's how I feel all
1: right so I think um, like the poem title from the title which is very simple all the way down to the last line I think there's so many interesting things happening in the poem I love the poet's use of language. I love the rhythms in the piece. I like the pacing and there's nothing in here that I necessarily had to like look up in the dictionary. I forgot what it is. It's not necessarily complicated words but it's complicated ordering and syntax and really interesting things that they're doing like a real attention to craft in this piece. And like I said, I if I read it back then, it probably would have been over my head or it would have kind of thrown me off a little bit. But now, like you, I love the way you phrase that. It's perfect. It's that coffee bean snifter of like this cleansing kind of way. And it's just, it's so different from what I'm used to. And it opens up this world that feels very mysterious and very close by at the same time. So I am going to toast this as well. It's a great, it is a, it is a interesting poem that is just kind of stuck in my head a little bit. It's just there and it's kind of this tickle in my brain that I can't stop really thinking about or this world or this style. It's, it's very fascinating.
0: I uh, agree. We, we talked about uh, before, like when we pick poems to talk about, Mm -hmm. um, not to overthink it. So I was just kind of like spun the internet wheel and put my picture <laughs> down. And that's literally how I found it. I was like, I'm just gonna pick this one, you know, uh, to kind of, because I knew it was gonna challenge me a little bit and the fact that it is so different from what I normally read, definitely from how I normally write. The style is so um, authentic, you know, even if it's not like my go-to style, um, I, you know, I can feel how genuine and and the authenticity within it uh, that it's hard not to appreciate it and see. And we'll see. I mean, I don't know. Will it stand the test of time? I guess we'll, you know, we'll never know. Um,
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to say whether it will or not, but I do think it won't be dated in the same way um, a lot of things can be. Um, And obviously, there are people that can write Really effective, beautiful poems about current events and kind of current trends in poetry. Um, but that is that is also a gamble. It is so difficult to write an occasion poem or an event poem really, really well that can stand the test of time. And who knows? if there's if there's poets out there doing this kind of stuff, uh, let us know because that's kind of an interesting kind of retro or throwback or classical, whatever you might describe it as.
0: I would yeah I would definitely like to hear feedback on this poem what people might think um you know especially people who are caught up in the current trends um I think you know there is something that we all wrestle with where we want to be timely in our words but also timeless uh and you know there's you know there's Social justice poetry, which is important, but it also you know you want it to have that your universal um feel that will stand the test of time. so it doesn't just feel like an artifact you know of of the of a specific moment in a specific time um but kind of taps into something more universal. know well, that's kind of how life works, you know, like events happen. Mm-hmm social things happen, we have new presidents, we do, you know, all this thing or whatever, but it's like there, there is a universal current, I think, within us that just sort of keeps flowing, and good writing kind of finds a, a nice balance of of finding, you know, to relay something timely, but while also kind of embracing a timelessness in, in the delivery. Totally,
1: totally agree, and I guess it would be interesting to ask some poets if they're thinking towards timelessness or are they thinking towards the moment Mm -hmm. and if they're I mean because there are definitely some poems occasion poems specifically I'm thinking about like Amanda Gorman's poem that she read and there are things that are very much in that moment and that's the purpose of them and Ah. so that is that probably won't be a timeless poem but it was a poem for that occasion. So what are you writing towards? Like, Are you writing towards this specific period? Are you writing towards eternity? If you want yeah. to be all fancy, like, I guess, I don't know. So who knows? What the, is the purpose is so of poetry?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the purpose, I mean, I think poetry serves both purposes for sure. But I I do, I, you know, I do think that most people are writing uh, their story I know like my last book I was writing a personal story um, but I was also you know like I, you know I'm trying to stay conscious of like larger greater themes and I think um, yeah I I, that, I think that is such a good point to bring up like what are you what is your end game you know do you do you have the desire to write uh, as a social commenter, uh, you know, like social commentary poetry or something like that, where it's just, you know, chronicling the injustices or changes Mm -hmm. of our times and things like that, uh, in a artful way, or, um, you know, is that just what you're feeling compelled to write? Maybe you'll write something different down the line. I don't know. I mean, there are like so many people Mm -hmm. who write, uh, definitely from a ideological standpoint and, Mm -hmm that's their main goal and that's all they want to do um as far as i can tell uh emily fragos does absolutely the opposite and i i just and that was why yeah. it was such a like you said palate cleanser um because mm-hmm. it felt like something i could pick up today it felt like it's something i could pick up in 10 years it you know, it feels like something I should have picked up ten years ago. I wish, <laughs> um, just because I, I, I don't. It, it is speaking to so many of these greater, larger themes that I think sometimes mm-hmm. we neglect as we get caught up in our own microcosms. You know. Yeah,
1: I do absolutely. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating to think about, and I just wonder about the poets who are writing more poems based on ideologies or whatnot, and poetry itself is such a small percentage of like the attention, like the global attention that I'm like, I don't know, can you donate 20 bucks to an org that's working towards social justice and have more impact than (laughs) writing a poem and publishing it in a journal five people read, like, I don't know, there are a lot of these questions, I sometimes get really, really cynical about how much power poetry actually has and what's the impact of it and is it all just uh just us shouting into the void who knows does it actually create real change that we can measure or look at so
0: we're like wrapping up and we're bringing up like big big ideas (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, if you're talking about like the you know the occasion poetry i mean that's kind of what the masses uh lean to when they are celebrating weddings funerals uh you know they they that's when poetry really you know comes in handy um and i do think that it's (laughs) rupee
1: core core rupee car core i'm not i am not sure
0: rupee car rupee car um rupee car rupee car uh we'll see anyways um (laughs) i think taps into that um that kind of a general human need for words that they you know that they can relate to that helps them cope with everyday simple experiences um some of these things these other concepts that like in the poem that we just read are are larger more complex you know you're thinking about uh the whole yin and yang and karma and you know like Mm -hmm restoring balance to the universe and greek mythology i mean these are bigger more challenging ideas that i think is not exactly 100% accessible to everyone but i i don't know i you know it, it, i i don't know.
1: Well, it's accessibility in poetry is a really interesting interesting thing like this poem that we just read i don't think your average person will find it very interesting or be able to relate to it or think it's really anything but Rupee car. I bet you I could pull up any of her little Instagram quotes and get a majority of people to be like oh that's really good or that's interesting or that's yeah I could relate so I don't know there's something about that uh, poets who aren't relatable <laughs> versus poets who are but I have a poem speaking of relatable for next yeah. week okay, so great. I think this will be this will be a fun one and where since it kind of segues away, segues from this poem that we read and segues from the Instagram poetry uh, I'd like to talk about a viral poem Ooh. Uh, so one of our first I've asked I've asked people to list off some poems that went viral in the poetry community and this one went viral enough where it went like pretty much mainstream so I would love to relook at Good Bones by Maggie Smith and we will see if it holds up now that it's kind of had its had its moments it'll it'll come back at some point i am positive but now that all most of the hoopla is sort of died down to a regular regular level let's check it out again and see Uh, if we host or roast that
0: uh okay i'm up to that challenge
1: all right we just we'll just keep moving from there
0: (laughs) so let's do it (laughs) oh boy well uh well this is good i this was a um Sorry for all the uh, interruptions, but, you know, such is life. Yeah, life. Yeah,
1: exactly. But all right. Um, well, I will see you again next time. Everybody, if you want to email us at table4deuce at gmail.com, let us know what you think about the poem. Let us know what you think about Ruby Carr. Let us know how to pronounce her last name. Like, whatever you need <laughs> to tell us, please do. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, otherwise, uh, we will see you Next week. Yep, sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye. This is my dance moves before you come back. I used to be somebody. Awards and all that, blah, blah, blah.